0: I know it was bugging some of you that we couldn't figure out this morning, but it was March 6th was when Pastor Gary Rodney was last here uh, preaching for us. And so it's been, it hasn't been a year like I thought. It's just been a really long summer. Uh, And so we're blessed to have him back again. Let's give him a welcome as he comes to minister again tonight.
1: If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at John chapter 8 tonight in the Word of God. appreciate you coming this evening. And I want to talk to you about three ways of dealing with sin, and I want to look at John chapter 8, We want to look at the woman uh, that's caught in adultery, we're going to read verse 1. I, I read from the New Living Translation, and so if that's blasphemy to you, forgive me. It's not the New King James, it's not the King James, it's not the ESV. I recently started reading this Bible, and uh, you know, it's just for relaxed reading and uh, Uh, It just just highlights some stuff, and it's very clear. I encourage you for a young convert, and if you struggle with the English language, uh, then the New Living Translation is a very good translation to read. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery... They put her in front front of the crowd. "'Teacher,' they said to Jesus. "'This woman was caught in the act of adultery. "'The law of Moses says to stone her. "'What do you say?' "'They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. "'But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. "'They kept demanding an answer, so he stooped again and said, "'All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone.'" Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And and Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So this story in the Bible is one of the most well-known stories um, for many reasons. Um, One of the reasons is because every single one of us uh, have sinned, and so we could sympathize with the woman who was caught in adultery. I mean, maybe our sin wasn't adultery, but nevertheless, every one of us um, have sinned, and we could somehow relate to her. Amen. Amen. And I want to look at just three ways of dealing with sin, three different perspectives. You know, whenever there is sin in the church, whenever it's public, uh, they have the pastor's ways of dealing with it. Uh, You have the person who was caught in the act uh, way of dealing with it. Uh, And then you have the church's way of dealing with it or people in the congregation. And so the first of these is the Pharisee. And the Pharisees are religious sect in Jesus' day. These men were devoted to the law of Moses. The name Pharisee in its Hebrew meaning means a a separatist. And so they were very devoted to Moses' law, the the law, at least the one that they they favored or they liked. Uh, They were very devoted to that. uh, And they were somewhat separate from everyone else. If you didn't follow them, uh, live according to their rules. Uh, You know, they're very uh, hard and harsh uh, towards that. The name uh, Pharisee, Again, means a separatist, so these people are there. I mean, they were separate, they were different. Um, from the general public, we know Paul the apostle was a Pharisee. He had devoted his time before his conversion uh, to make sure that anyone who named the name of Christ uh, was captured and brought to prison. If you think about that that is insane and so here people are they're Christians, they have faith in Jesus, and here's this man, his mentality is we don't want you to do that that bothers me and so he would uh, arrest and bring people to jail. And this is the mind of the Pharisee. And Jesus said about the Pharisees, what sorrow awaits you, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, you teachers of religious law and you you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even to the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So the Pharisee had the right idea, but the wrong spirit. And the wrong spirit will turn the right idea into a bad one tonight. So, this group of people brought this woman, caught in adultery, and put her in front of the crowd, brought her to Jesus. They wanted her to be stoned to death. This is according to the law of Moses. But the problem with the Pharisees is that they weren't just into keeping the law, at least in our text, they want to use this woman to trap Jesus. And their spirit wasn't to uphold righteousness and adhere to the law of God. It was to use this woman to discredit Jesus of his ministry and to turn the crowd against him. The Bible said that they caught this woman in the very act. I don't know about you, but how do you catch someone in the act of adultery? you got to think about this. I don't, you know, I don't think this woman is under a sycamore tree. In the middle of the day, committing adultery. This no doubt is a hidden, it is private. They're locked away in a closet somewhere, in the bedroom, somewhere, in the upper room, somewhere. I don't know how they did it back then. I, you know, it wasn't a car, it wasn't, but then they, they, they're hidden somewhere, and somehow they were caught in the very act of adultery. It's like someone was snooping around. Right? I mean, this is supposed to be a private encounter, but nevertheless, someone was snooping around. Listen, if you're always looking for fault in people, you're going to find it. If you're always snooping around hoping to catch someone, uh, you're going to find that. You're going to, you are going to catch them in the act. And so a lot of people, amen, they they live the Christian life like this. Uh, They're very suspicious of people, um, and they stoop around, and they're always looking, and always, uh, you know, just kind of wondering, when are they going to fall? And, and, you know, people are not perfect. People do make mistakes. And if you uh, put a microscope over their lives, eventually you're going to see things you wish you never saw. And so this woman was caught in the act, and their response um, is, let us stone her to death. There was no trial. What about the man? Because it takes more than one. And so the law of Moses, you know, some people use this this text and say, oh, you know, Jesus didn't adhere to the law of Moses. Uh, The law of Moses said that uh, this woman should be stoned to death. That's according to the law of Moses. Uh, Jesus broke the law of Moses. That's not what the law of Moses said. The law of Moses said that both of them, Should be stoned to death. Not just a woman, but both of them. So where's the man? See, they're not interested in the man. They're interested in the woman for some strange reason. And the Pharisees, we find they're quick to condemn. You know, there are a lot of people in churches who are like the Pharisees. They're quick to condemn. And don't misunderstand me this evening. I understand that sin has to be judged. I understand um, that there's a consequence for sin. Um, And sometimes uh, people have to be disciplined and removed uh, from a place. Uh, Amen. Uh, But when when we talk about sin, let's judge the sin. uh, But let's not stone the sinner to death. Every single person loved the response of Jesus Christ. It's brilliant. It's filled with wisdom and grace. This is why we love this text so much, because we love how Jesus responds to this, to the crowd and to the Pharisees. And again, Jesus is not dismissing sin. He's not saying sin is not a big deal. It is a big deal to him, because we know that he would shed his blood. Up. He would die on the cross up for sin. He did that, so it is a very big deal to him. The Bible warns over and over again about the danger of sin and how it ruins people's lives and how God hates sin and how the carnal mind its enmity against God or the sinner. God today turns his back on the sinner's prayer. John says in the book of John that God does not hear the prayers of sinners. So we understand that sin is not a light thing, that Jesus takes it very seriously. It cost him his blood. And Paul writes to the church in Corinth and those who live in unrepented sin Um, needs to be disciplined and and so we understand that amen because a lot of people they read this text and all they think about is the response of Jesus he was without sin cast the first stone how many people you've heard that before when you're trying to deal with someone about sin in their heart and sin in their life uh, and their response is well if you have no sin cast the first stone listen that was Jesus's response he wasn't able to say that because he was perfect. He wasn't caught in the act of adultery. If you're caught in the act of adultery, you don't have a reason to say that. See, if you're the one that's caught in sin, your, your, your response shouldn't be, he's out with us and cast the first stone. It should be one of humility. That was Jesus' response. Jesus understood the motives of those who brought the woman to him. He just didn't look at the sin. He looked beyond the sin. Because sin is a manifestation of what's in our hearts. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 19 to 20, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and all sexual morality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. When we deal with sin in our own lives and in other people's lives, we have to ask ourselves where did this come from? How did this get here? Because sin doesn't just start with the act. James chapter 1, verse 14, uh, temptation comes from our own desires, uh, which entice us and drag us away. Uh, These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Temptation comes from our own desires. The devil didn't make us do it. It was already in our hearts to do it. Uh, He simply just provided an opportunity, uh, amen, to manifest what's already in our heart. But the desire was there. Sin was already in our heart. And way before the action is committed, uh, there is a desire. And and so Jesus understands this. Uh, He's not going to stone her to death. He wants to deal with the issue. The devil will not tempt you with something that you don't desire, amen. He only tempts you with what you desire. How did you get here? Sometimes people don't know how they got to where they're at. Sometimes people don't understand. This woman that was caught in adultery, I'm assuming that she wasn't married, but the man was. And the Bible doesn't give us any details, but I'm assuming she wasn't. A lot of women who become prostitutes have been molested or taken advantage of at an earlier age in their life. They come to the point in their life where they no longer view intimacy as sacred. They view it as a tool to make money, or they view their body as a way to entice men. And we don't know why this woman is committing adultery. Some people speculate that she's a prostitute. We have no idea. But the response of the Pharisees, let's stone her, let's kill her. Jesus' response is, hang on, not, not so quick. Let's dig deeper. See, because dealing with this woman, Jesus would have seen beyond just to sin, to get to the heart issue. Jesus said to this woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus spoke those words. Where are your accusers? Do they condemn you? And she says, no. And Jesus says, neither do I go and sin no more. And those words were life-changing and life-giving words to that woman. Think about it. Here she is in the midst of the crowd, rocks in hands, ready to be stoned to death. She thinks in her mind, I'm about to die. This is it. I'm about to die. And Jesus spoke these words, I don't condemn you. And immediately her life changed. Listen to how she responds to Jesus. She calls him Lord. And here she is in front of a group of people ready to stone her. And and here Jesus Christ says, you know, I don't condemn you. Listen to me tonight. It doesn't matter if people condemn you. All that matters is what does Jesus say? What does Jesus think about you? How is Jesus dealing with you? Or well, so many people get tripped up, uh, and I'm not coming to church. Why? Because sister so-and-so said this about me, and, and brother so-and-so thinks this about me. Who cares what they think? What does Jesus think? Right? Because all that really matters is what Jesus should, And this woman was smart enough to to ignore the condemnation from others and hold firm to the words of Jesus Christ. Then Jesus gave this woman a specific instruction, go and sin no more. That's another part in the story that many people either forget or ignore completely. It wasn't that she was just pardoned and Jesus says, I'm not going to condemn you. But he told her to go and sin no more. Don't do this again. Right? There has to be a change. You're not going to live this life anymore. Here is grace. Here is mercy. I'm offering this to you. But it's at a cost. And that cost is that you cease from sinning, that you stop doing what you're doing, and you live clean. And a lot of people forget this. God doesn't only save us. He also judges sin. And Jesus warned this woman, go and sin no more. You know, Jesus had warned people of that, before. a man, he healed. He told them, listen, you need to go and make sure that you're not committing any sins. Go and sin no more, because if you do fall into sin, a greater curse is going to come upon your life. Something else is going to come upon you. Something else is going to happen to you. If we're going to be under the grace of God, we have to go and sin no more. And when we continue to live in sin, we forfeit salvation. First John 3, 6. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous. Even as Christ is righteous, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them, so they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. And Sir John makes it very clear. He says, listen, if you're going to live for Jesus Christ, you cannot practice sin. And if you do, that means the Holy Spirit is not living inside of you. You're not living for Christ. And so when Jesus says, go and sin no more, something had to happen to this woman. There had to be a change of mind. There had to be repentance. This woman's response was a response of humility and repentance. Notice she didn't say to her her accusers, why do you guys only want to condemn me? What about the guy that I was with? I wasn't committing adultery by myself. She didn't have an attitude about it. He should be here too. She said not one word. She did not defend herself. She knew she was in the wrong. Were others wrong? Of course they were. But she was wrong. And so many people, here they are, they're in sin, and you're dealing with this thing, you're dealing with the issue, and they want to point fingers. It's her fault. He did that. She did that. They're picking up the telephone, uh, telephone making phone calls. Oh, this is my case. And you have to lay their case out. They want to give their side of the story. They want everyone to know what happened, but not this woman. She said not one word as Jesus and the crowd was dealing with her. She didn't say your people, you're too harsh, you're too judgmental. So a lot of people say that, oh, you Christians, you're too judgmental. You potter's house Christians, you're too judgmental. People know, do they know the potter's house in, 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 in Rochester? They know the potter's house in North York. You know, oh, you, you, you people, you're too, no, we're just trying to live right and live clean. Oh, you're too judgmental. You guys are too this. You're, you're, you're a cult. Yes, we are. <laughs> we love Jesus. We serve him with all our hearts. If you want to call it a cult, then go ahead. And what are you? I had a man in, in, in our church, and uh, I mean, he was he was getting carried away with, you know, with uh, the Calvinist doctrine. He was hanging around some Baptists, uh, listening to some of their music, and, uh, you know, most Christian books that you pick up in the bookstore is is, is is, you know, laced with Calvinism, and if you listen to Christian rap music, which I don't, it's also laced with Calvinism, and most Christian artists, and, you know, it's just... It's a big thing. And so he was getting caught up in that. You know, the whole Calvinism, and, you know, he's, he's reading books and, and, and the Calvinists. The, uh, I'm thinking, why don't you just, you know, he's reading a book by a Christian rapper, and, you know, he's promoting this. I said, what has this guy accomplished in his life? Why don't you read some books about men who have accomplished and done something for God? I mean, he's, he's a rapper, man. Come on. What credibility do rappers have? He raps nursery rhymes <laughs> you know and like you know I, I, but he had a little bit of rebellion in him was stubborn and you know he just wasn't listening he wasn't uh, um, you know, he wanted to be involved in ministry and rapping I said you know you're going to have to live better than this if you want to be involved you know we have a standard for those in ministry you have to live according to those standards and you know and so I mean he just wasn't having it he just wasn't he left the church Start going online or writing about, you know, the church is this, the church is that. He made a song about me. He made us, people say, Pastor, did you hear the song I made about you? I said, Nah, I'll listen to Christian rap, man. He made an album called Rebel, and, you know, it's doing interviews. Some people say I'm a rebel, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, the whole, thing, it, it was it, hilarious to me. I mean, this was what, January, February, or on February, you know, December, I took this guy to my mother's house and we're eating Christmas dinner. Like, you know, like, you know, I invested in this guy. You know, was I, he's a very carnal guy. Was I a bit harsh with him at times? Of course I was. I said, you know, you need to snap out of it, man. You need to do better. You, you have potential, you could do better. And so it's been what, like a year and a half. Funny thing is, he works across the street from where church is. He is always, always interested in what we're doing, what's the church doing. You know, always, in, he just, he knows everything that's going on in the church. I don't know how he knows, but people are telling him everything that's going on in the church. And so he works across. With so he sees me coming to prayer every morning. He's there, he's working, in the, you know. Uh, and so one day, I'm outside after prayer. Um, and he walks over to me. And I haven't spoken to this guy in, you know, like a while. You know, I mean, he's, he's written about me. He did a song about me. And, you know, I said, I, haven't, I have really no reason to speak to you. And he walks over. You know, you just say, you know, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure, man. How are you doing? Why not? And he's talking about how he was hurt and, he was, you know, he was depressed, and he was this. I said, but why did you leave the church? No one told you to leave. You left the church. I said, you had a little rebellion in you. He goes, yeah, I know I was rebellious. I said, yeah, you left. And, you know, now my life is better. Now I got a job with the government, and I finished school. My relationship with my mom is better. I said, congratulations, you're maturing. You're growing up. And I looked at this guy. I said to him, listen. And it's talking about, how oh, you, know, uh, you know, I don't know what church he goes to. And, you know, now he's, you know, he's doing better as a Christian. Re-pierce his ears, but he's doing better as a Christian. And, um, and so he said, he's, you know, I said to him, listen, man, no one will ever love you and care for you the way we did at the church. Ah, oh, don't say that, man. Don't say that, man. I said, no, listen to me. No one, and I mean this with all my heart, no one will ever love you no one will ever love you and care for your spiritual state like we did. And that struck a chord in him because you know what? He knows that it's true. He could run around in the religious world, but he know at the end of the day that this is true, that we, was there rules and guidelines that he had to live up to to be involved in ministry? Yes. But he understand that, you know what? We know, he's not going to find anything. The reason why he was depressed, he couldn't find anything out there in the world like us I don't know about you if you ever left this church a potter's house there's nothing out there like ours are there good churches out there of course they are it's not going to be the same I backslid for four or five years I visited three churches just visited there's nothing like that nothing like ours so what we have is unique what we have is powerful and so, yes, we deal with sin. Yes, we have to correct sin. But in its, you know, when we do all that, we're trying to save the sinner. And you have to be careful about your response to sin. When you're caught in the act of sin, when sin is in your life, when you're being dealt with by your pastor, by a brother, by a sister. how is their response? Oh, you guys are too judgmental. Or is there a response like this woman, one of humility? She so, I did it, man. See, when we have sin in our lives, it doesn't matter about what other people are doing or even saying. We need to focus on what's happening in our hearts. We need to focus um, on what we're dealing with. Uh, so many people like to blame others, point the fingers at, at others, and point out their sin also. But she didn't do that. She fell to the ground at the feet of Jesus Christ, because that's where every one of us need to be when we're caught in the act of sin. We need to be at the feet of Jesus Christ. We don't need to be, uh, amen, again, trying to defend ourselves. We just need to be at the feet of Jesus. When David fell into adultery with Bathsheba, he didn't blame her for walking on the roof naked. He realized, I did it. Psalms 51, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify, Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you, and you alone hide by sin. I've done what is evil in your sight. He came before God with a repentant heart. No excuses, no one else to blame. I did it. I sinned in your sight, God. I sinned against you. This is who I am. This is what I did, and I need to change. That is the attitude and the spirit that we need to have when we're caught in sin. Now, the longer I pastor, the better understanding I get of this word repentance. Because repentance means it's just more than a change of action. A lot of people think, okay, repent, change your actions. That's a part of it, but repentance means to change one's mind. You have to change your mind about sin. You have to change your mind about the way you think about sin. The other side of repentance means to turn. It means to turn from evil to good. Meaning that if you say I repented because I stopped, but you haven't turned to good, you haven't repented. It's more than just stopping what you're doing that is wrong. It is turning from what you're doing that is wrong, but now turning to good. When we tell sinners uh, to repent, it's more than just coming to an altar and saying a prayer. No, you have to turn your life over to Jesus. It's not just what you do at the altar, it's what you do after the altar. How am I going to live? Your mind has to change about sin, your actions have to change. If you cannot be a Christian, if you haven't turned from evil and turned to what is good. If you've only turned from evil, you're still not a Christian until you turn to what is good. See, a lot of people, they, you know, they get saved, but they don't do anything about it. They come, I receive Jesus Christ. Okay, man, it's, you know, it's, okay, you've been here for six months. Let's go on an outreach. Okay, you've been here for, for two years. You want to open in prayer now? No, I'm not ready yet. It's two years. There's something about repentance. turning to what is good. It's not about just stopping. It's what are you going to do when you stop? Our lives are like vacuum. Right? I don't know about you, but when I was a sinner, I really lived in sin. I really sinned. And so when I stopped sinning, I had to fill the void and the gaps in my heart. I had to do something for God. And what amazes me, when a young convert gets saved, I remember this one sister, she got saved. And Sunday, the next Sunday, she came to church, and she goes, okay, who can I hang around with? I mean, the church was really small, probably like 12 people at the time. Who can I hang out with? She got it, she understood something. I stopped hanging out with my old friends. I repented from that, but I need new Christian friends. There's people they they get saved, man. It's like they want to live in the church. You're not going home. I don't want to go home. I want to to stay here. I want to be here. So they play cards till midnight at church. Because what's happening in their heart, there's a a transformation. They repented. They turned from their old life. They left their old friends, and now they need new friends. They need new relationships. They need new things to do. And they're filling their life with these new things. Because repentance is not just turning from evil, but it's turning to what is good. The woman in her text, she turned from evil, and she turned to what was good. She turned from her lifestyle, and she turned to Jesus Christ. Again, she called him Lord. She called him Lord. Let me ask you a question when dealing with sin. Who would you rather be in the text? The woman caught in adultery or the Pharisee? Think about that. Would you rather be the woman caught in adultery or would you want to be the Pharisee? I wouldn't want to be the Pharisee. Jesus had grace and mercy in the woman caught in adultery. But there was no grace in the Pharisees. Now, obviously, I don't want to be the guy caught in adultery. But you understand what I'm saying. Who would you rather be? The religious hypocrite or the sinner? Another question. Who would you rather be? The prodigal son who asked his father for his livelihood, went off, spent it, came to his senses, repented, and came back home. Or would you rather be the big brother who never left home, never wasted his father's money, but it was bitter and angry because his father wanted to celebrate the return of the younger brother? Who would you rather be? Think about that for a second. None of us want to be the big brother. And none of us want to be the Pharisee. We would rather be the woman caught in adultery. We would rather be the little brother who ran off and took his father's money and spent on an prodigal living. But why would, we want to, why would we want to be that? Because we understand the grace that God showed these people. And secondly, we understand the spirit behind the big brother and the spirit behind the Pharisees. How you deal with sin is crucial. How you deal with it is crucial, not just in your own life, but in other people's lives. You could have the approach of the Pharisee, or you could have the approach of Jesus Christ. Listen, repent, go and sin no more. There's people who came to me, they fell in sin. Master, <laughs> Yes? You know, and, and they're crying. And like, you know, just sister, repent, bro, just repent. Get accountability partner. Put some safeguards in your life. Cut that off. That's it? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to kick me out of the church. You think I get excited to kick pe- people out of the church, you know? That's what people think of us. You know, oh, they part is us. They just want to kick you out the church. No, just Repent just turn to Jesus Christ. How do you deal with sin is so crucial tonight. Don't be the Pharisee. Don't be the unforgiving older brother. Be the woman with a repented heart who got at the knees of Jesus Christ and Jesus will speak these words to you. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let's bow our heads tonight. Every head is bowed. Eyes are closed tonight in reverence to God. I've never met a person who haven't sinned. I've never met a person, I've never met a Christian who have a perfect track record, who haven't fallen to sin. We don't like to talk about it because it makes us look bad. It puts us in a bad light. So we hide it secretly. We struggle with sin. It might not be adultery, but it could be other things. We struggle with it. We don't want to talk about it. Because we think people are going to look at us a certain way. Ah, man, I thought you were better than that. Oh, man, I thought this. Oh, man, I thought that. Or we think people are going to condemn us. We think we're going to lose ministry. It's better to lose ministry now and gain it later than to lose your soul now. Jesus' response to this woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Do you realize that the whole purpose of the gospel message is to reach sinners? To reach sinners. The whole purpose of the gospel. It's to save that which was lost. It wasn't for the perfect. It wasn't for the religious. It was for you and I that we could come before a living God and be honest about who we are and what we're dealing with. That we don't have to hide and cover our sins, that we could deal with it before God. We don't have to fear the crowd because the only person's of judgment that really matters is the judgment of Jesus Christ. How are you dealing with sin in your life tonight? How are you dealing with that? Listen, you have an opportunity tonight to come to this altar and fall on your knees before Jesus Christ. Don't worry about the crowd, don't worry about the religious rulers. Young brother, come home. It doesn't matter what big brother thinks. Your father is waiting. Tonight you're here. You're not saved. You are not right with God. You're not serving Jesus Christ this is for you. Oh, you could repent, you could turn from your sins, you could come to an altar, fall to your knees, and have your sins forgiven, and have Jesus Christ live inside of you. And I wonder how many people you're here tonight. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not saved. I'm not right with God, but I want to get saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to hear those words. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus Christ. if that's you lift your hands quickly all over this place God is speaking to you God is dealing with you I see the hand God bless you young man anyone else honest start before God anyone else oh I need to bow my knees before Jesus lift your hands quickly all over this place (coughs) maybe you're backslidden maybe at one time you're walking with God but you find yourself away from him Will you come back to Jesus tonight? Lift your hands quickly, that's me, I'm backslidden. I want to come back home to Jesus Christ. Oh, how God loves you and how you could experience his love. Lift your hands quickly all over this place, backslidden. I want to come back to Jesus tonight. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. Do you understand what that means? The reason why you want to serve him. The reason why you want to live for him. The reason why. You want to get your heart right with him. Why you love him? Because he first loved you. His love is pulling you. His love is drawing you. That God is pulling you to himself. That God at no time ever gave up on you. That is always love and always will love you. Even if you reject Him, it will love you all the way to hell. Will you respond at least to the love of Jesus? Maybe you are a Christian in this place tonight. None of us is perfect, we've all fallen short. If we say we have no sin, the Bible says that we are a liar. But you don't have to hide it. Sin has to come to the light so it could be dealt with, so the grace of God could bring healing and deliverance. You don't have to worry about the crowd. Don't have to worry about with those with stones in their hands. All you got to worry about what does Jesus say? Oh, if you come and bring it to His knees tonight, He'll forgive you change you, transform you. That's the power of the blood. That's the power of the love of God. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, I got a revelation one time. I'm praying to God and I say, God, if I fall into sin, if I do something stupid, if I sin, I want you to punish me. And instantly the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I cannot punish two people for the same crime. I'm here in my living room laying down and said, Oh God, I cannot punish two people for the same crime. Your sins have been paid for. Jesus took the punishment for them. God doesn't want to punish you. Sin, just go and sin no more. God hates sin because of what sin does to you. (coughs) That's why he hates it. Will you respond tonight? You're a Christian. Will you humble yourself? Deal with the issues at heart. We're going to stand tonight. The altar's open. Young man, you lift your hands. Why don't you come and pray? Someone's going to pray for you. Others, God is speaking to you. Amen. You want to find a place for the altar? Pray. Amen. Get a hold of God. Neither I do neither do I condemn you go and sin no more tonight Jesus says Let's sing this song on our to worship tonight
0: My Jesus my savior Lord there is none like you all of my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship. Praise to the King Mountains bow down and the seas will roar At the sound of your name I sing for joy at the work of your hands Forever i love you, forever I'll stand Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Shout to the Lord of the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name i sing for joy at the work of your hands forever i'll love you forever i'll stand nothing compares to the promise i have nothing compares to the promise i have Nothing compares to the the promise promise I have